Today we're wrapping up our series, First Things First. And my message for you is titled, What Matters Most? What Matters Most? Really today we're talking about priorities, you know. We're talking about the things that are the most important for us. And, and if we're honest, you know, there are just times in life where we can kind of lose sight of what really matters. You know, like Black Friday. Like, have you ever noticed how we go from Thursday where we're super grateful for everything we have, you know, and it's like we're thanking God for all his blessings and for turkey and pie and family and football, you know, and then we go to Friday where we're completely dissatisfied with everything we have and we have to have more, 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 you know what I'm saying? And people just go crazy. Have you ever been shopping on Black Friday? Like, I didn't believe in werewolves, then I went to Walmart on Black Friday, you know what I mean? Like, people change, just like sweet little old people pushing cars down the aisle like it's NASCAR. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's just pandemonium in there. Just sweet little soccer moms, you know, just like raptors out of Jurassic Park, you know, clawing to get the next thing. I saw a lady get pushed into a bin of GPSs. You know what I'm saying? She's like fighting for her life here with the GPSs. People going crazy. I've seen people throw DVDs to their friends from like the middle of the crowd. I saw somebody get biffed in the head with a Blu-ray disc, Okay. I mean, it's just crazy. It's moments like that. You know, and it's funny, but sometimes we really lose sight of what it is that really matters in our lives. What matters most? And and what I want to do to kind of help us get where God is taking us today, this kind of journey through his word, I want to give us a couple of stepping stones to help us kind of take our first few steps in in this little journey through scripture today and what God is going to share with us in our our hearts. So the first stepping stone is this. I, I want to remind us of something that's very basic and simple, but it's foundational. It's really important. And that is that as Christians, we live to fulfill God's desires for our lives. God is to be the number one priority of our lives as Christians. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter six, verse 33, kind of a foundational verse for us. The Bible says this, and it's Jesus speaking. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Our number one priority is to fulfill the desires that God has for our lives. And the second stepping stone is this. I want us to understand that God wants us to fulfill those desires. I mean, he wants us to put him first in our lives. And so in order to help us be able to do that, God takes each one of us that is in relationship with him through a lifelong process of transformation. God is trying to change us and mold us and make us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. Basically, what God is doing is he's transforming our hearts, our thoughts, our desires, our actions to be more like Jesus. What he's doing, the the simplest and most basic way I know how to say it, is that really what God is doing is he's taking us on a spiritual journey from selfish to selfless. Jesus was our ultimate example of selflessness. As he laid down his life for each and every one of us. He gave his life so we could have forgiveness. Jesus was the model of not living for self. He lived to honor God. And so God is trying to help us go through that process of transformation. But what happens often in our lives is that, uh, you know, God really is no longer the number one priority. And it happens often when we're going through maybe times of difficulty uh, or, or just times of disappointment. Maybe it's a, a career that didn't work out the way that we thought it would, or we've had to work past the age where we thought we'd be able to retire, or maybe we didn't get accepted into the college that we wanted, or 
Maybe it's relationships and a, and a marriage that's not working out or hasn't worked out. And in those difficult times, we have moments where we're still coming to church. You know, it's just maybe we're kind of going through the motions. You know, where, where the love for God it has kind of lost its passion. And, and God is maybe a priority in our lives. But God is no longer the priority in our lives. And when God is not number one, when, when the first thing isn't first in our lives, God should be number one. And when, when he is not number one in our hearts and in our lives, that affects every other area of our lives. And today what I want to do just for the next few moments is talk about three areas of our lives that are affected when God is not the priority and when he is not number one in our lives. So number one, here we go. Number one, the first thing I want to talk to you about is our relationships our relationships. They're so affected by our relationship with God. We're hardwired for relationship, me and you. And we're ultimately hardwired for a relationship with our heavenly father, with God. But God wants us to have healthy relationships with others. And when that relationship with God is good, or if it's not so good, there's a trickle down effect from that into every other relationship in our lives. And God wants us to have healthy marriages with our, our spouses, our family relationships, with our kids, grandkids. I mean, God even wants us to have healthy relationships in, at work and in, in, in business environments and things like that. I mean, he wants us to have healthy relationships in every area of our lives. But when God is not the priority, when he's not number one, instead of moving farther and farther and closer and closer to the likeness of Jesus and becoming more selfless, we're moving in the other direction when God's not the priority in our lives, when he's not number one, and we're moving more and more towards selfish behavior and life. And that affects every relationship we have. Because when we're living a selfish life from those motivations and those kind of desires that come out of a self-centered life, you know, we don't want to take responsibility for things. It's like when, when I was in college, there was a, a group of guys who were always pulling pranks and they thought they were pretty funny and one, you know, boring evening, I guess they decided let's throw water balloons out the third floor window at people, you know, just walking down the sidewalk below. Brilliant, right? And uh, so they, they kind of get bored with that. And somebody has the bright idea, you know, water balloons, like, eh. they were like, let's fill a trash bag full of water and drop that on the next person who's coming down the sidewalk. Like, seriously, people? Like, for real? Like, read a book. Okay, anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's just crazy. And so the, somebody comes walking by, they drop it out the window. It doesn't hit the person directly, but it's close enough that they basically get soaked anyway. Everybody's cracking up and everybody was in on it. And everybody thinks it's so funny and they're all dying. And then somebody looks really closely down below at the sidewalk and realizes it's a security guard. Oops, you know, so everybody bolts out of there, man. They're all back to their rooms, you know, they're, everybody's in hiding. He comes up on the hall, he's dripping wet, and he drags everybody out into the hallway. And now all of a sudden, nobody knows anything about anything. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I was, I was reading, I was doing my homework, I was, I was in prayer, I was, I was asleep, you know. I mean, it's, every, nobody had anything to do with it when it was time to take responsibility. Everybody wanted to be a part of the fun. Nobody wanted to take responsibility for it. And there are times where we, if we're living selfishly, can be the same way in our relationships. And that's a difficult thing. And it's not just that when we're living that way that we're hurting other people. Ultimately, I believe we're hurting ourselves. Because we end up seeking after things that aren't really there. And we keep going from maybe one relationship to the next because in our view, because of that selfishness, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. 
We always think we could find something better. And, and, and we end up, in a sense, chasing after ghosts in this world. We, we end up chasing after things that aren't really there. Because when we're living from that kind of heart and motivation, nothing will ever be good enough. We'll never be satisfied. We'll never be fulfilled. And I want you to know today that we do not have to chase after ghosts in this life. We can make God the number one priority in our lives. And as we focus on a healthy relationship with him, he can help us have healthy relationships with others. He wants what's best for us. And when we're living that way, we don't want to take responsibility and and the truth is we, we have a big lack of commitment in our lives. And commitment is a huge part of our relationships. Relationships in a marriage with your spouse, spouse with, with kids, with family, grandkids, all of those things. Commitment is a huge thing. But what keeps those commitments strong? It's our commitment to the Lord. Our strength is rooted in our relationship with God. Our strength is, is tied up in our relationship with God. When, when I was growing up, my parents were a huge, huge blessing to me. Now, they were not perfect, okay, right? Like, I did not have the perfect family. There, there were times I thought my parents were just straight up crazy, okay? Like, they were just crazy sometimes. But my parents made my brother and I a priority. They constantly put themselves before, or put us before themselves, and I grew up watching that example and God used their example of selflessness to mold me and make me into much of who I am today. Uh, and it was an amazing gift that my parents gave my brother and I by making us a priority. But listen, I want you to know my mom didn't have that experience. She wasn't passing on what she experienced onto my brother and I. She grew up in a very different situation. Her father was an alcoholic who was largely absent from her life. Her mom passed away when she was 10 years old. She had to move off and live with her sister and her family into a really difficult environment and in a situation. And if you could have a conversation with my mom today and you could ask her, what, what made the difference? How did, how did you change? She would say, without hesitation, it was my relationship with the Lord. She would say, it didn't all happen at once, but it was a process of transformation where the Lord helped me get to the place where I could put my family and my kids before myself and make them a priority. And I want you to know that we can start off this new year by making our family a priority. And we can do that by putting God first in our lives. We can commit all of those relationships to the Lord by increasing our commitment to him. The Bible says it this way in Psalm 37, verse 5. It, it just says, commit everything to the Lord. Everything you do to the Lord, trust him and he will help you. As you commit those things, it's difficult at times to do that, to put others first in, in family relationships and, and in our other relationships. But if we commit that to the Lord, he will help us as we trust in him. Let me say it this way. When my highest commitment is strong, all my other commitments are strengthened. When my highest commitment is weak, all of my other commitments are weakened. And we, in relationship, myself included, I know many of us at times we've been hurt in relationships because of circumstances where people didn't want to take responsibility or people didn't have the same level of commitment to us that we had to them. And I think one of the most tragic things that happens in relationships is that when we're hurt, we have a tendency to close ourselves off from new relationships. 
And what, what happens is we keep others from being able to help us. And in the end, ultimately, we keep ourselves from being able to be a help and a support to anyone else as well. And I want you to know that here at People's Church, we value the fact that we are the family of God and that we are here for one another as a church family, that we are brothers and we are sisters who are collectively going through a spiritual journey together. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible talks about this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. We should do good to everyone. But then it goes on to say, especially those in the family of faith. First John four twenty one. it says, and he has given us this command, that those who love God, must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. We are here for one another. We need each other. Nobody can do this alone. Listen, I know it's hard to ask for help at times. It's very difficult for me at times to ask for help, but we need one another. And it's God's desire that we would be there for each other. And so as we commit to making God our number one priority, a great way that we can get connected with one another here at People's Church is in one of our community groups. We got a variety of them. You can uh, get information on them at, at the welcome centers. You can join a community group and, and get to know some people. This is one of our favorite things for my wife and I. We love our community group. We hang out with them, play games, we have fun, but we pray for one another. We share our lives and share our needs with each other. And it's a big comfort knowing that you've got some close friends who care about you that are praying with you through difficult circumstances in life. And that's what the Lord wants for us. Join us Wednesday nights, Wednesday Connection. It's an awesome time. We sit in tables rather than in rows, switch it up a little bit. You hear a short, short teaching from God's word and then we answer questions and have discussion and dialogue about what we're hearing and what we're learning from God's word. It's an amazing time. And you don't want to miss that. Join us Wednesday Connections, 7 p.m. It's ministry for the whole family, stuff for kids and the youth and the adults as well. But as we begin the new year, let's put first things first. Let's seek the kingdom of God in our lives and allow God to help us bless those that we're in relationship with. Our spouses, potential spouses, kids, grandkids, business partners, bosses, our church family. Let's be there for one another. We can focus on a healthy relationship with God and he will help us have healthy relationships with one another, our relationships. The second area that I wanna talk to you about today, number two, is the area of our finances. You know, finances and, and how we handle them I believe that it's a spiritual thing. And I believe it's really connected to our relationship with God. And I think really that it's one of the clearest indicators of where our hearts and where our priorities are. I mean, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter number six and verse number 21. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't think anybody could say it better. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, we put our finances, our, our resources, our treasure, we put that toward what our desires are, toward what our priorities are. And Jesus goes on to say this in Matthew chapter number six and verse 24. At the end of that verse, he just says it very simply. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think this is one of the most profound statements Jesus makes about our relationship with our heavenly father. And he could have put a lot of things there. He could have said God and a whole bunch of stuff. The whole big list. You could have said God and, and the devil, God and sinful desires, you know, God and, and lust, God and, and fame or popularity. But Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. 
And I think really what he was trying to explain to us is simply that one of the biggest competitors for our hearts that God is fighting against is our treasure. It's our resources. It's our finances. And I I believe that we can make God a priority by beginning the new year managing our money well. But I also know that it can be really difficult to do that, especially when our priorities are out of whack. And I'm just saying, I have been in situations where my priorities have been a little bit out of whack. There have been some times in my life that I was broke as a joke. Or my mama would say, she would say, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. I don't really know at what point in time people were rubbing nickels together, but it just kind of sounds weird to me. But I'm just saying, I mean, there were times I didn't have a lot of treasure, as Jesus put it. I didn't have a lot of finances, but I was acting like I did. And I was spending and I was getting this and I didn't have money and I lived the whole year like it was Black Friday. You know what I mean? I mean, I was like, I got to have this big screen. I got to have it now. And I didn't have the money for it. And I got myself into big trouble and I wound up broke as a choke. Because of that, I ended up in difficult circumstances. I ended up with some some really hard times in my life because my priorities were out of whack. The truth is what I had done is I had put God in the back seat. And I was a Christian. I I loved God, but, but I wasn't making him the priority in my life in the area of finances. I wasn't managing my money well. And maybe you're here today and... And you're having a similar experience to mine. And you're struggling financially. And, and, and like me, the whole year's like Black Friday. Maybe you're here, guys, and, you know, your heart's at Best Buy, you know? And it's just, I got to have the latest phone, the latest gadget, you know, the latest computer. Ladies, maybe your heart is at the mall. Get that new dress, new purse, new shoes, and a new weave. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, y'all got one on layaway, huh? You making payments on that, baby. You just go by to visit it someday, make a payment someday, you and me going to rock it, huh? We're going to light it up, right? You know, maybe our priorities when they're out of whack, but where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. Jesus is saying that we've got to get our, our financial priorities in order. In order for God to be first there in our lives, he's got to be first in every area of our lives. And that includes the area of our finances. And maybe you're here today and you're going, Jason, that sounds awesome. Like, I mean, I would like to manage money better. I'd like to be a good steward of what I have. You know, I'd I'd like to have a balanced budget and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Maybe you're here and you're like me and I didn't know how. I I didn't know how to do those things well. And and I want you to know we have a couple amazing opportunities coming up at the start of next month, February 1st and February 2nd. We're starting two different classes. On the first, Financial Peace University will begin on the 2nd of February. Crown Financial will begin. You can get more information in your bulletin or at one of the welcome centers where people can answer questions for you. And you can even sign up for these classes today. They're amazing classes. They're they're built on godly, biblical, sound principles for managing our money well. It's an amazing experience learning how to budget and do those things. They're awesome, awesome ways to help us put God first in our life and in this area of finances. Another great way for us to put God first in our finances is by returning the tithe. The Bible says this about returning the tithe in Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. There will be no, there will not be room enough to store it. I've taken up this challenge and 
in my life. My wife and I, we, we put God to the test in this area of our finances. Returning the tithe means that we take 10% of all of our income and we return that back to the Lord. And in our view, we, we view that all of what we have is from God. And in obedience to him and to honor him, we return that 10% back to the Lord and say, God, we trust you with our finances. We trust you to be able to provide for us with that 90% and we believe that and we trust in you for that. And so we return that tithe to God. And I'll be honest with you, though, there's times where it's not easy to do that. I mean, this past year, we had two months back to back where we had major car repairs. One of the most frustrating things in the world is when your car's not working right. It is brutal. And this past year, we, we made the commitment, uh, you know, I mean, we've been doing it for longer than that. But in those difficult times, I mean, we committed and we kept on paying that tithe. And God has been so faithful but in july we had major car repairs and then in august we're headed out for vacation we're leaving town and we stopped uh, at, at taco bell on our way down to dallas but uh, as we're leaving oklahoma city and and i'm just saying you know like brother was just trying to get a burrito okay <laughs> and then my car wouldn't start and we had to pay we had to wait around for hours get it fixed, had to pay that money. It's frustrating. You try to put it in the back of your mind, you know, let's just go enjoy our vacation. We visited my wife's family. We came back into Dallas, got our car. We're driving back to the hotel late one night. The car's running funny again. We get to the hotel parking lot at one o'clock in the morning and the car breaks down in the hotel parking lot. Like, I'm just glad I made it to the hotel. You know what I mean? Like, but we're there in the hotel. We had to stay a couple of extra days because uh, of getting the car fixed and we're missing work and all of this stuff. And, and we've got all these extra bills and these payments. And in moments like that, you're just looking at all the money going out and you're looking at the money coming in. And in our rational minds, we go, it'd be easier to handle all the money going out if I had this extra 10% to put that direction rather than returning the tithe. But we were faithful and, and we made the commitment and we stuck with it. And I'm going through the mail during those financially difficult months one day. And I got all this junk mail just like everybody else, you know. I'm going through and I find a card in there from a couple whose wedding I had officiated several months before. And it was just a thank you card for that, just kind of out of nowhere. And in that envelope with the card was a check for $500. God has been faithful to provide for us. And I believe, I believe so strongly that he will provide for you as well. And listen, God said to test him in this area. I mean, if you're new to church and, and new to this whole thing with God and you're just kind of testing the whole thing out we want to offer you a a, a worry-free opportunity to test God in this area of your life we have a three-month tithe challenge here at people's church where you can return the tithe to the Lord for a 90-day period and at the end of that period if, if you don't feel that you've been blessed in the way you thought you were or it's just not really working out for you we'll give you back 100% of your money no questions asked I believe with all of my heart, God will come through for you. I believe he will provide for you. Listen, returning the tithe didn't save my wife and I from car trouble. It didn't keep us from those difficulties. But God was faithful to provide through those situations. And I believe with all my heart that he'll do the same thing for you. My prayer is that we will put God first in the area of our finances, that he'll be the number one priority of our lives, that we will live to fulfill his desires for our lives. My prayer is that you'd put first things first, 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and I believe that as we surrender our finances and relationships to him, we will be blessed. I think he will bless us richly with, with all different kinds of blessings. And I believe that he will be faithful to provide for us. Our relationships, our finances, and the third area that I want to talk to you about today is our faith. Number three, our faith. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11. And and verse number six, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's God, impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. In other words, we have to believe that God is there for us and that he rewards those who seek him, the Bible says. So we have to believe that God rewards us, that he has what's best for us. The Bible is saying we've got to have faith to believe that God is there for us and to believe that God has what's best for us in our lives. But the truth is that takes great faith. It takes big faith to believe that God is there for you, that he has what's best for you. And I believe that God has a destiny for your life. I believe God has amazing plans in store for you. But I believe for all of us to live up to the full potential of what God has planned for our lives, that we have to have big faith. And I know that we're at different places in our spiritual journeys. Maybe you're joining us online and, and, and you're at a place in your spiritual journey where you're struggling to have great faith. You're here today and, and, and this is a difficult area for you. Listen, I mean, I want you to know I've struggled with this too. I got married when I was 29 years old. Amen. There were a lot of years there where I was single. And as the years adding, you know, we're adding up, you know, there were times where I'm going like, God for real. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, it was difficult at times to trust God's there for me, that he knows what's best for me, that he has what's best for me. There were times it was difficult as the years went on to not take that situation totally into my own hands and just do it my way. To be able to trust God and and have faith to put him in control and, and, and to know that he ultimately had my future planned for me. That was difficult. There were times where I had to ask God, God, give me bigger faith. And I want you to know that it's okay to ask God for bigger faith. It's okay if you're struggling. There was a man in Mark chapter nine in the Bible who said to Jesus' face, he said, Lord, help my unbelief. And listen, it's not magic. It didn't all happen for him at once. He didn't just instantly have great faith when he said that to Jesus. It didn't happen for me that way either. It was a process over time of, again, God transforming my heart and my life and the way that I think and the way that I act. But God was faithful as I called out to him and asked him to increase my faith because it takes big faith to live out the amazing things God has in store for your life. Big faith. And my prayer is that you would experience greater faith in your life here in 2012 than you ever have before in your life or in your spiritual journey. And and, and my prayer again, I just, I'm hoping that that you will develop that kind of faith. And and to help you out, I want to leave you with three things today. I want to kind of give you three takeaways uh, today that just some practical things about how to develop that kind of faith in your life. Some things that will encourage you and that will bless you. Number one is this. If you you got a pen, you you can scratch these things down on on the notes in in your bulletin. And and I want to give you this. Number one, develop daily time with God. Number one. Develop daily time with God. Listen, we have to stay constantly connected with the Lord. 
We've got to be in prayer, communicating with him, get into his word, read the Bible, and listen to what God is speaking to us. We have to worship God on a daily basis. If I look back at my life, the times where I've struggled the most spiritually, I mean, you could pinpoint those moments. They coincide with the times where I really wasn't having a daily time with God. When I pushed this out of my life, when I pushed God to the margins of my life, that's when I had the most trouble. But when I was committed to being with God every day and calling out on him every day, again, it didn't save me from difficulty. It just kept me close to God through those difficulties. And I believe that for your life as well. My my prayer is that you'll make God the priority every day in your life in 2012. The whole year can belong to God if every day belongs to God. And my prayer is that you'll make that commitment and you'll get into the word. He'll speak to you. He really will. God will speak to you through his word. There have been times where I've gotten into God's word just in a daily time by myself, open up God's word. And I've read verses of scripture and and some of them they're written in the Old Testament. It's like 2,800 years ago that was written, but I felt like it was just for me today. I mean, there's been moments where God has spoken to me so clearly and in such powerful ways and he'll do the same for you. You will find times that God will speak directly to you. He'll help you. He'll encourage you. It'll be an amazing thing. Develop daily time with the Lord. Number two, the second thing I want to share with you is this. Attend church faithfully in 2012. Attend church faithfully. Well, when I'm not preaching and teaching here at People's Church, I travel and speak at other churches and events and things like that. But when I'm not on the road or preaching here, my wife and I, we're in People's Church. This is our home church. And it's a blessing to me. When I'm able to be here and be a part of what God's doing and, and worship with my church family and be challenged from God's word, I mean, that, that's an amazing experience. It's a, a big part of our relationship, our marriage, our, our walk with God. Being in church, it strengthens me. It, it challenges me in amazing ways. And, and I want to challenge you with this as well. Have your kids in church in 2012. Man, when I was growing up, there were times my parents had to drag me to church. I went kicking and screaming. I didn't like it. I didn't want to be there. You know, at the time, I wasn't grateful at all. But when I look back on that today, I'm very grateful for what my parents did, for the battles that they fought. And my prayer is that you'd fight some of those battles, getting your kids up and getting them ready and bring them to church. It'll be a blessing to their lives. So much of what God was able to accomplish in my life is because my parents were faithful in bringing me to church. And as we put God as the number one priority in our lives, we can put family as a priority in our lives. We can get our families and our kids to church and God will do amazing things in hearts and in lives. I wanna challenge you with one more thing. Number three, number three, another way to help develop our faith is to begin fasting. Begin fasting. We're beginning next Sunday, February 15th, a 14-day fasting and prayer period called Awakening. And I could not be more excited about this. If you're new to church and, and you don't know what fasting is and you're going, I don't know what we're talking about here, fasting is, is one of the most amazing things we can do in our relationship with God. It's something that God responds to in, in powerful ways. And fasting is where we give up a meal. We give up food for a period of time. And instead of eating, we spend that time focusing on the Lord and spending extra time in prayer. Basically what we're saying is food nourishes my body, but I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to spend extra time with God because he is nourishment for my soul and for my spirit. I, I'm going to set this aside. This is, it's good. It's important. There's nothing wrong with it, but God, I'm, I'm going to make a sacrifice to spend extra time with you. And I'm telling you, God will bless your heart and life in, in incredible ways. 
if you will fast. And it's a two week long period where fasting is a staff and a church family. Join us for a meal here and there. If you're new to this, you don't need to fast the whole time or anything like that. Join us for a meal here and there. If you fasted before, join us for several days if you can. Some of you I know will join us as a staff for the whole two weeks. And God is gonna bless us as a church family. He's gonna do amazing things in our lives. And my challenge to you with fasting, one last challenge is fast together as a family. One of the best things you can do to start off the year growing spiritually as a family is to bring everybody together, bring everybody in and set aside the time at the dinner table to share a meal and instead spend that time sharing a moment with the Lord. He will bless you. It will be an awesome experience for you. I challenge you to prayerfully consider joining us in whatever way you can for the awakening, fasting and prayer time. God does incredible stuff in our hearts. And God has an amazing plan for your life. I believe it with all of my heart. I am absolutely convinced that God wants to bless you. That God wants to prosper you. That God wants you to be healthy and whole. But we have to make God the priority in our lives. We've got to put first things first and seek first the kingdom of God. We have got to make God number one, but that can only happen as we put God first in our relationships, our finances, and with all of our faith to put God first and seek his kingdom.